Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. This podcast works in conjunction with our weekly Beyond the Sermon devotional. If you don't receive those already, you can sign up using the link in our podcast show notes. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go beyond the sermon. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have Ridgely Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome. Thank you, Will. Mike, good to have you. Uh, so, Mike, you used phone apps as a, as a sermon illustration on Sunday, and uh, one in particular could change your voice, which, uh, folks, if you haven't heard that, you'll hear Pastor Mike's voice in a, in a way that you never have before. So, <laughs> Those are fun. <laughs> yes, they are. They are, particularly the Darth Vader one. Um, but aside from maybe messages and email, what are some apps that you tend to use? Like, what's the most used app on your phone? Well, this time of year, it's probably the weather app. Yeah, that's You true. know, I mean, things are going back and forth. I'm like, what? What's it going to be today? Yeah, What's what it do I be need tomorrow? to wear? Yeah, what do yeah. I wear? So I, I use that one a lot. Yes. Yeah, for me, uh, actually, I don't really use apps that much. Um, WhatsApp I use a lot because I have a, a lot of family back in the UK. So we keep in contact there. Maps, because I'm directionally challenged. I use Maps <laughs> still a lot, even though I've lived in Ankeny for a couple of years. You know, use Instagram uh, sometimes. Actually, one, Mike, that I've been thinking about is like a meal app. be amazing if you could like, you know, enter in all the, the dinners that you have and then all the ingredients that go with that. And then every week you just drag in your, your meal and then it populates like a shopping list for you. You know, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> especially was, with kids, a good idea. It would make yeah. life so much easier. So, folks, if uh, if you know that app exists, and I've just missed it, yeah. um, please. Maybe it's out there. <laughs> I almost said answers on a postcard. <laughs> that really did to me, Mike. <laughs> just a bit, Will. Yeah, just a bit. Um, well, this past Sunday, we continued our series looking at the kings of the Bible, and in First Kings thirteen. Um, where Jeroboam, he's confronted by a prophet. Um, he's about to make a sacrifice, and the prophet comes to him uh, with a word from the Lord. But the story also centers uh, kind of around this prophet. He's invited to disobey God twice, really. He doesn't the first time, but he does the second time, and unfortunately meets a pretty pretty grisly end. Um, but Mike, we've talked about hearing God's voice in the podcast before, it's one of the amazing things of being uh, a Christian is is knowing that we can hear from God and be be led by Him, and you give some practical tips again on how we can go about doing that. Um, so, can we just revisit those? How do we grow to hear and and discern God's voice? I think one of probably the most frequently question, asked question that I get is, well, "I want to hear from God. I want to know what God thinks about this decision or that decision," and it seems like there's an expectation that we can have because you, you read the Bible and you see, oh, God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Moses. You know, God spoke to Joseph. And we expect, well, did they hear an audible voice? How did mm. that happen? It seems really clear that they heard from God. And I want to hear like that. I think it's really important for me to recognize, you know, as I'm reading this and seeing how God is speaking to people in the Bible, it's in the context of a relationship. They've got a relationship with God. They have ongoing dialogue with him. And relationships, they tend to all work the same way. You learn to recognize 
the voice of people that you're in a relationship with. Mm. The example that um, came to my mind with this one is that, you know, when we had our first kid, hadn't had a baby before, don't know all the dynamics and how that's going to work. I remember like the first time it was Caleb for us with our, was our first, first time he cried, just started wailing when we got back from the hospital thinking, what is wrong? Mm. And we really didn't know, you know, it was like, what yes. do we do? We won't want the kid to be miserable, but as time went on, we began to recognize not all cries are the same, mm. right? You can recognize some of the time it was just a mad cry. Some of the times it was a hungry cry. Some of the times it was just, I want attention, and so I'm going to fake a cry. Mm-hmm. There's different cries, and it's amazing how you just tune in from not being able to recognize a difference to you develop an ability to be able to hear and to understand because you're in relationship, uh, I remember one time we were at church, and um, Sarah I, I t- had, took the kids. She I was busy mm-hmm. and had other responsibilities on Sunday mornings. So I remember she'd drop them off at nursery, and a couple of our kids just did not like nursery, wouldn't go in. I heard one uh, Sunday morning a wailing coming from the direction of the nursery, oh. and I knew, I'm like, that one's mine. Right. I just knew it. You know, you know their voice. You learn to recognize their voice. And I think it's the same way with God. It doesn't happen just overnight. It's not like, oh, I'm in a crisis. I need to make this decision. Mm. God, you know, download some information to me. It's really, well, have you been in relationship with me? Have you been right. listening to me? Uh, it's a relationship, a process that occurs through time. So that's why we talk about, on a regular basis, we talk about things like spend time in the Bible. Mm. Not because every day is going to be a mountaintop experience where you just get this amazing insight from God. Sometimes that happens. But what happens is through the course of doing that month after month after month on a daily basis and through the course of years, you really learn to hear and recognize the voice of God because it's not an audible voice. It can be. I'm not saying he never right. speaks that way. Right. But most of the time, it's something that we hear with our spirit rather than with our ears. And we learn to develop a sensitivity and a recognition of his voice as we spend time in the Bible, listening, praying, and with praying, also a listening, you know, share our, our thoughts and our request to God, also create some space uh, mm. to just learn to listen, um, getting in tune with, with the Holy Spirit. He says he's given that to us, and it's really important for us to give him some space, learning how to listen and recognize his voice. That's really good, Mike. I, it's funny we should have this conversation because I was chatting with Dane Logan, our mm-hmm. communication manager, um, earlier this week, and we were talking about this, about hearing God's voice. Because so often, I think, when we talk about hearing God, we're we're trying to view it in, in kind of like, um, you know, friendships that we have where you go out for coffee or, or like we're having a conversation here. I talk and then you talk and I can see you and I can hear you. But it is, it's, it is different with God because obviously he's not like physically right in front of us. But um, a couple of ways that we were thinking about like God speaking to us. One was in the practical often. Um, you know, I've seen this, you know, for Bridget and I as a, think back in certain times, you know, we were praying for particular things and maybe it wasn't coming together. And then all of a sudden things really came together, you know, and the Lord provided in in just crazy ways. And you could, you could chalk it up as coincidence and just say, well, that was, well, we must be pretty lucky. But then it happens so consistently through your life that you're thinking God is speaking to us. You know, he is answering us 
But it's not because an angel appeared in our room. It's because he has provided in a particular way. And having eyes that are open to be able to see that and thank him and say, Lord, thank you for that answer. You know, it wasn't written in the sky. It wasn't an angel in the room, but it was something practical there. And then another thing I would say is, uh, I mean, call them divine coincidences. You know, when, for example, when uh, Dan, he was uh, uh, speaking about King Solomon just a, a couple of Sundays ago. And he said when he was writing that, so- that sermon, he was surrounded by Solomon. It felt like he would turn in different directions in a devotional or in his man's Bible study or a, a podcast, and, and he would hear about King Solomon. And he just felt like the Lord was just kind of helping him really in the process. <laughs> now, again, you can somebody could say, well, you know, it was probably just coincidence or whatever. But um, when you're actively seeking to, be, to hear from the Lord in that way, I feel like that, that, that happens. Or when you pick up your devotional, like I did last night, I, I picked up a Psalm 117, super short psalm, and it was exactly what I needed. I felt drawn to that psalm, and I opened it up, and it was like spot on. And so I think God can speak to us in that way, you know, through that kind of the practical, but also those divine coincidences. Yeah, that's true. And just be aware, have our radar up. Yes, that's God. for sure. That's God. There's one yeah. thing I want to uh, pick out from this story, Mike, and it's not perhaps the most obvious, but, you know, the prophet comes to Jeroboam and gives him a word that's not, that's not something that he wants to hear. Jeroboam has a particular perspective as to what he's doing and a way of doing things, and he's not very teachable. You know, he actually says to seize the prophet, you know, and it's only after a crazy shriveling up of the hand <laughs> if you haven't read the story you should really should it's kind of crazy it's an interesting story it really is like the whole the whole chapter but um i, I want to just hone in on on the fact of jeroboam not being teachable and i feel like we're in danger you know when you look at social media when you look at you know youtube when you look at news organizations maybe that we listen to so much of it is geared toward just giving us what we already believe mm-hmm. you know um, we're just not very exposed to contrasting views. And so part of that, I think, is that we've we've become a bit lax or we've lost the ability to be able to hear perspectives that are not our own mm-hmm. and to engage civilly in a, in a good conversation. Um, fundamentally here, Mike, I think my concern is what if we're like Jeroboam where we block out the voice of God because it's something that we don't want to hear? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we stop from getting to that point? How do we become more teachable with you know open ears? Yeah, it's a good question, Will. And, and I think maybe uh, not just if, but when. Yeah, but that's I a good point. I do think yeah. that we have those tendencies to be able to shut down and not want to hear things that we don't like. Right. So th- there's something that's just maybe a part of our nature that is drawn to oppose that. So I think it takes intentionality to, to be okay with that. And mm. as far as things like you mentioned was going on culturally, yeah, we're so polarized uh, right now. It's hard to see a lot of listening and having civil conversations with people who have disagreements with you. And I think that the intentionality there is not to just surround yourselves and listen to things that are just going to reinforce everything that you already believe. There's value in that. But I think that it's important to also be able to listen to other voices um, and to hear other perspectives to maybe broaden our understanding and you may not shift what you believe or agree but i think it's helpful to understand 
why somebody who believes differently than me does believe differently than me. So in, in my mind, it's not being so narrow in what we're listening to and who we're listening to, but to kind of broaden that a little bit. I, I heard something that, that stuck with me, and this has been you know a long time ago. I was listening to um, Billy Graham, and he faced his share of opposition, mm. of negativity, of critics, and he said one of the things that he learned to do, he said early on it was very hard for him to do. We're sensitive. Um, he, he said he learned to turn his critics into coaches. Mm. And that thing, that, that just stuck with me because there's a humility there um, to, to, to listen and to not just get defensive mm-hmm. right out of the bat to say, there could be something here for me to learn. And maybe it's like 99% wrong and 1% right. What's the 1% right? What's the the one thing in here that maybe I could learn or I could hear from God? So really being open to that, and I just love that phrase. That's one that stuck with me, as Billy Graham mentioned it, turning my critics into coaches. Yeah, I think that's really good, Mike. And, and it really is, I think, one of the main ways in which we can <clears throat> exercise that muscle, as it were, you know, of being being able to listen and to uh, specifically with people who have contrasting views is to be able to just not get defensive and not just push people away. Um, I have to say, Mike, when I get, if I'm confronted on something or, um, you know, people point out a particular thing um, that I've said or, or done, if I get defensive about it, it's almost like a bit of a red light. It's a bit of a warning for me in terms of, I then have to look introspectively and say, uh, why am I getting so defensive about this? What am I trying? You know, have they have they actually just touched a nerve there? Mm-hmm. And if so, is it a good is it a good <laughs> is it a good yeah. thing? Is it a good defensiveness? You know, um, because there are certain times where maybe people are proposing something that's so counter to the heart of God that we have to get defensive about it, and we should get up in arms about it. But it feels like if we're doing that a lot, then we probably need to ask some questions about ourselves. So, uh, Mike, one last question, uh, and I'm going to quote you here. You said, the Christian faith can, uh, can, can morph into an academic exercise instead of a lifestyle. And I feel this tension because I enjoy uh, reading you know, about Christianity and studying who God is and what he's done. And I feel the danger is that you can just get caught up in theory and theology mm-hmm. with no application. And so uh, any ways of just kind of steering clear of that, you know, moving from knowledge and understanding into application? Yeah, I I think, um, and I'd say this out of the gates, that there is value in study and in theology and in knowledge, so I don't at all want to give the impression that that's not the case. Those things are important uh, to be able to have. But what we can do is just shortchange the fullness of it and not go any further because those things are designed to be able to move us into action and shape the way that we live, not just the way that we believe. So mm. value in it, uh, but some danger in it if we just stop at, at that. And so I think it's really helpful for me to go back and to remember what's the primary call of Jesus. His primary call at the very center, but we see it again and again and again through all four of the Gospels, when he invites people, his invitation is, follow me. Mm. It's not believe in me. It's not study me. Not that those things are bad, again, but mm-hmm. it's follow me. 
And that should really inform our faith as we, we uh, kind of look and reflect on our own lives. Are we following? Because following, well, that implies action. That implies doing things. That implies choices and life decisions in a way that believe doesn't. So for, for me, going back and reminding myself, am I following? Am I following? Am I following? What does that look like? I had um, an example that just comes to mind pretty quickly for me, Will, on that one. I had a a professor in seminary who was just a really renowned scholar, um, very well-respected, wrote books. He he was a a speaker, international speaker, would go to conferences and on theology and wrote books, had, had things named after him. Uh, that kind of a guy, and he, he had a, a brilliant mind. One thing that happened while um, I was there is there was an opportunity. The community was changing, and they had need. They were getting more people with um, homeless people mm-hmm. into the community, and so there was this this idea, and I think it was the city council. I'm not positive on that, but they approached the seminary to say, hey, would you guys be open? You have space. You have a big space. Could we do a soup kitchen in the seminary? This guy that I'm talking about mm. was the leading opposition mm. to opening up the doors of the seminary to that. Um, it's not what we're about. Right. We're, we're about academia. We're, we're about theology. Wow. Um, theology should lead us somewhere. Right. Uh, it should, should lead us to loving and helping people. Um, so practical ways that, that come to my mind. I think one for me is serving. I've, I make sure that there's a way that I am serving. It's, mm. You know, on staff in the church, I can justify, oh, yeah, I do stuff for the church. Well, yeah, I must have. I find it's important for me to find an, at least an area or a way that I'm volunteering um, because that shapes me, that changes me. It's a pra- just one practical way for me to be able to say, well, am I just believing or am I following? Am I really investing my life uh, in some of these things that I believe? Yes. I think it's, it's a helpful moment just to kind of think, what, what do I, how do I define spiritual maturity? Like, well, how am I rating people of being spiritually mature? So maybe ask that question if somebody says, well, how do you know somebody's spiritually mature? I think sometimes we think, well, I see Pastor Mike up speaking every Sunday, like, and he seems to know a lot about the Bible, so like, he must be spiritually mm-hmm. mature. Mm-hmm. And I see Jake or, or Will or Graham or KJ or Mackenzie or Meredith up leading worship and singing, and I look around and I see some people really singing, so they, they must be spiritually mm-hmm. mature. And sure, that can be like a fruit that's coming out of a, a, a life where we're following after God, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is spiritual maturity. You know, people have done those things and their heart has been on the outside. But actually, like you said, when they had an opportunity to walk like Jesus with their family, with their community, uh, that they were actually far from that. And so I think it's a really, Mike, this is just a really good, um, good challenge for us, I think, to ask that. Are we going beyond understanding to to knowing and then moving into action and following? So... Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and that, that if I'd say, what was this at the center of this passage in 1 Kings 13? It was that. They yeah. knew. King Jeroboam knew. And the prophet knew. They knew what, what God was saying. The issue was they just didn't do it. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, thank you again for leading us through the series. Um, we're already a few weeks in. feels like we're flying <laughs> through, 
<laughs> this, but uh, yeah, so much to, to take in. And thank you for listening today. Uh, just before we go, I'd like you to invite you into an upcoming class. Uh, it's called Big Questions of Faith. This is a, a, one of my favorite spaces at the Ridge where we tackle some of the biggest questions posed to Christianity. Um, you know, like, why should I base my life on the Bible? Um, if God is love, why is, so much, why is there so much suffering in the world? We start this five-session class on Monday, November 7th, uh, 7 p.m. at the Ridge. So for more information or to, to sign up, just visit our website. Click on the Learn tab at the top and head to the Ridge University page. So thanks again for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.